Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, it's that time of year. New set is out, and we've got previews to talk about. Yeah, baby. We are recording. I mean, we're basically live here. We're just going to like <laughs> roll through as quick as possible. We're going to try and do a one and done uh, recording tonight because we wanted to wait till Monday. We wanted as many previews of commons and uncommons from Crimson Vow as possible. And I'm glad we waited because we got we got a big dump of, of commons and uncommons today. Heck yeah, we did. I was thinking I was caught up and then I got home from school and I was like, wait, I haven't seen that card. I haven't seen that card. Haven't seen that card. <laughs> Yeah, so lots to talk about here. You know, we sort of started to get to do these kinds of episodes a few sets ago, and we maybe had to like backtrack, like we had like a really long preview season for Strix, really short for AFR, and now we're back smooth sailing here with the Innistrad sets in the fall, fresh off the heels of Halloween, and I can't think of a better way to spend November 1st than talking about these cards with you. I am looking forward to it. Let's dive in. Yeah, so a little bit of housekeeping things to do before we get into all these previews, talk about the the new mechanics and all that good stuff. First things first, the Patreon page, of course, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Lots of goodies over there. If you're interested in giving back to the show all the way from, you know, getting access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which we say is the place to be for a new set. So you've got about, I don't know, a week or so before you uh, can hop into the Patreon and uh, get into the Discord there, um, all the way up to getting access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. I just, you know, it's November 1st and that's the time when I send out all my emails to all of my monthly students and try and schedule stuff. And that's a really great perk um, if you're interested in that. So Patreon, I think, is a really great place. It definitely keeps the show going, as we said. And of course, each and every week, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold. And this week, we are welcoming Austin, John, Tian, Andrew, Jonathan, Wizard of the Third Coast, Fatty Chopper and Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. And I just want to reiterate new set best time to get in on the discord. It is unreal how much goes on at the first week of the start of a format. So looking forward to seeing all you new folks flooding into the Patreon as well as the discord. And thank you to everyone that's already there. The show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. They've had Marketplace Madness going on lately, but that is finished. But you should not be done shopping at the Channel Fireball Marketplace yet, as well as me. I want to shout out <laughs> a, a listener. We, you know, you floated this idea on air about, uh, getting me a starter of each basic. And I want to I want to thank Norman, aka Talus Engineer. They reached out to me over Discord and sent me one of each beta basic. So the quest has begun and I'm going to be perusing the Channel Fireball Marketplace. So what do you need now? Like nine more of each to feel like you've got a good set that you can use for your uh, your limited decks? I think that's probably true. So we'll do, we'll do it slowly and steadily wins the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Talos Engineer. That's an awesome gift. I really, uh, I think that's great. And I hope this, this maybe injects you with a little bit of, uh, of buying madness yourself. Yeah. And much like you all should be doing when I buy those beta basics from the Channel Fireball Marketplace, I'm going to be using code LOL, all caps. You better believe it to let them know that I was from the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, before we dive into the new mechanics and the card previews, I did want to touch briefly on the Ravnica Mixer format that is on Arena through the 5th. If folks are checking that out, if you're feeling like Innistrad Midnight Hunt is a little stale uh, and talk about this, because I, I know I've been jamming drafts of this. I told you I was addicted to it, and I know you've been drafting it a little bit this weekend. And maybe just to throw out a little like you know fast and loose primer on, on what our thoughts are. Yeah, I think you've done way more than me. From what I've seen, I've done four of these now so far. And I think the gates are pretty high priorities. I don't think you want to necessarily be married to colors because I've been in some pods where it feels like people know what's up with blue, black and red. So I think see what comes and draft your gates and try to build a good, powerful deck. It's felt a little more like sealed on steroids to me than anything else. Yeah, or I'd say like chaos draft. So for folks who don't know, you get like a pack of Guilds of Ravnica first, then a pack of Ravnica Allegiance and then a pack of War of the Spark third. And yeah, I would say that I think the, the best decks for my money are when you get just like powerful stuff get gates to castle those powerful things and then even get gate payoffs so you have some synergy there but i've definitely seen some you know really good two color decks you got to draft a nutso niv mizzet pack one pick one into just like is it being wide open deck i drafted uh for the first time an aggro deck today i drafted a boros deck that went four three it was you know fine lost to some draws or whatever but you know was able to to piece together a good streamlined two color deck i think from the three pack so you can really do a lot of different things but i i think yeah ideally you're drafting the Grixis colors, you know, you're starting blue black, you're taking gates, you're getting gate payoffs, you're three of five colors. But it's been a really 
fun format. I did get kind of dumpstered today in my drafts. Uh, so maybe people are catching on or like after the weekend, everybody who, uh, maybe people that, who tried it a couple times were like, eh, I'm done. And now it's just the, the hardcore people playing the format now. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been enjoying it and I'll be definitely playing it for the next few days. Yeah, it has been a boatload of fun. And I will say that it feels refreshing to have one pack of each different set and to kind of be able to plan ahead for packs two and packs three. I mean, that was how you and I both got started on limited and that hasn't been the case really since we've started the podcast. So it was a cool change of pace to get, you know, a pack of each going through. Right. We started with, I guess, no, the, the second set we did, right? Ixalan and then Rivals of Ixalan is the last time they ever did like the big set, small set type deal. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into these new and returning mechanics for Innistrad Crimson Vow. First up, We've got a new mechanic, training, which is sort of like reverse mentor, having played some Guilds of Ravnica this weekend. So training says, whenever a creature with training attacks alongside a creature of greater power, put a plus and plus one counter on the creature with training. And so the reason this is basically like mentor, that was the, the case, but mentor was a bigger creature attacking with a smaller creature. The bigger creature had mentor and could add a counter to the smaller creature. But I think the big, big key difference here is that the keyword is on the smaller creature, not the larger one. So it can stack. So if you have three training creatures and then one creature then all that's larger than all three, all three trainees or whatever, or trainers will get a counter. And so we've got an example of a card here, Apprentice Sharpshooter. This is two and a green for a one four human archer with reach and it has training. So whenever it attacks with something with more power than one, it's going to get a plus one plus one counter and turn into a two five. That's going to get annoying in a hurry. You had me at three mana, one, four reach. <laughs> just no extra text needed. That, yeah, no extra text needed. Yeah, I mean, this gets, this turns into a two, five. And the cool thing about this is that like, as a two, five, it's probably pretty hard to kill in combat, right? Even a double block may not kill this. Right. And it sets you up to leverage combat tricks because people are going to be trying to double block it while they still can. I don't know. Like people were saying that this is awkward on a one, four, but I think a one, four that turns into a two, five when it attacks and then probably a three, six, it's a fair card. Yeah, I think this looks this looks good to me. And I think I mean, it's partially because more training stuff than perhaps other color pairs has been previewed, like green, white seems to be humans and training. And I think we've not seen a lot of other color pair stuff. But the green, white training deck seems pretty well supported. It also kind of reminds me of evolve in a way of like, I remember like high whatever, high toughness, low power, or vice versa was sort of good for that. Obviously, it's, you want low power for training, but just like that that kind of low power, high toughness creature that can grow is going to be really hard to interact with. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I know you love this mechanic. Yeah, why don't you talk about it? Yeah, next mechanic up is Cleave. <laughs> this shows up on instant and sorcery cards, and it offers you an alternative cost so when you're casting a card with cleave you can cast it for its mana cost as normal and if you do the spells effect gets processed just like it normally reads on the card so every single word of a rules text is followed just like you'd expect but if you pay the cleave cost instead you could ignore all the words in brackets so this took a while for my brain to process and i'm going to try to give a shortcut to folks out there because i think this is a bit of a clunky mechanic the text in parentheses is always going to be a drawback right so when you cast it for its normal cost that's going to be cheaper than the cleave cost and you're going to have some sort of an effect with a drawback and then when you cleave you get to cleave out the words in brackets and get a better effect. So you're paying more for cleave and getting a better effect. Yeah. So for example, we've got a card, uh, Dread Fugue. This is single black for a sorcery. Target player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it with mana value two or less. That player discards that card. And then it has a cleave cost of two and a black, which allows you to remove the with mana value two or less text. So it's just, you know, thoughtsies or whatever, sort of a targeted discard effect. Um, so cheap, you know, play it on turn one, nab their two drop, and then later in the game, you can just cast it for its cleave cost to get whatever you want out of their hand. Yeah, I'm realizing now that we're podcasting that cleave is also extra clunky for podcasting. <laughs> cleave is going to be very clunky for podcasting. I, I have a feeling we'll, we'll probably figure out some shorthand way to do it. But yeah, the way we just read it was... That's a toughie right there. Um, maybe we, we have to say brackets or I don't know what we're supposed <laughs> to do. It's the worst. But the, I mean, there's been a lot of hate on this mechanic on social media already. So I feel like we don't need to pile on. It'll be fine. It's it, This is a good limited mechanic. This is just like another form of kicker, I think, right? As uh, the Tolarian Community College video uh, sort of surmise there. So I think that this is going to be good. That's like modality is good for limited. 100%. Yes. Even if it is clunky, I will take modality however I can get it. 
All right, we got a new kind of token here. So, you know, clues, treasures, food, and now blood tokens. This is a colorless artifact token with pay one, tap, discard a card, sacrifice this artifact to draw a card. So basically, one mana rummage. And we've got an example of a card here in Gluttonous Guest. This is two and a black for a 1-4 creature vampire. When this enters the battlefield, create a blood token. And whenever you sacrifice a blood token, you gain one life. You had me at three mana one four, baby. <laughs> I'm just, just loving these high toughness creatures. So this is interesting, right? So it plays like this sort of discard effect plays great with Disturb, though there's which spoiler, sorry, is back in this format, but with a twist. Uh, there's no flashback in the set. It looks like right. that wasn't a mechanic that they previewed in the article. So I assume there's no flashback. We haven't seen any flashback cards yet. And there's no madness either, but... Like just literal like seconds before recording the podcast, I was like, let me just make sure that I've got all the previews that we like want to talk about. And they had just previewed this uncommon that is kind of like madness light. What's this card? This is Edgar's Awakening. It's three black black for sorcery and says return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then it's also got more text. Whenever you discard Edgar's Awakening, you may pay black. If you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So it works super well with pseudo madness, except you get a little bit of a different effect. Instead of returning the creature to the battlefield, when you discard it and pay a black, it goes back to your hand. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see like, so it's like, yeah, so like one is like a zombify and then the, the madness, whatever light effect that this is, is basically a raised dead effect for you know old school players. So I wonder if we'll see like, you know, a grip tied effect in blue and then the cheaper one is just an unsummon effect. Like if it's going to be sort of like, you know, bigger effects and then sort of like a mini less card advantage effect um, for the the reduced cost. But I'm, I was super happy to see this. Um, I don't know what this, yeah, what we're going to call this because it doesn't look like it's going to be keyworded, but this is effectively madness and you need stuff like this to make these rummage effects feel powerful, you know? Yeah, I'm very excited about this. I hope there's a whole cycle of those. One for each color would be awesome. Yeah. Daybound Nightbound is back. I know you're excited about that. Hey, whatever. It's medium. It's fine. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. it'll be good this format now that we're not in the werewolf set. I know. We'll see. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit later. I, there are some <laughs> there's some like werewolves or wolves that just look better in this set than any of the ones we had in the last set. Uh, Disturb is back. But what's the twist here? They're all going to come back as auras on the backside. And this preview card I am in love with. This is Kindly Ancestor. This is two and a white for a two, three spirit with lifelink. And it has disturbed for one and a white. And then when you disturb it, it's an aura, Ancestors Embrace, Enchant Creature, Enchanted Creature has lifelink. And if it would be put in a graveyard from anywhere, the usual disturb text, exile it instead. So all of these things basically take the creature on the front side and the enchantment is some sort of homage or piece of the front side of the creature. And I think this is going to be a house in limited. Yeah, I mean, this is probably now a good time to jump ahead a little bit to our disturbed section of the show notes and just maybe run through some that are super exciting. I think Lantern Bearer looks sweet. This is a single blue for a 1-1 spirit at common, which has flying. So a 1-1 flyer for one. And then it has disturbed for two and a blue. And it comes back as an aura that grants flying and gives plus one plus one. That is a pretty darn good aggressive one drop. Yeah, I really like that card. There's another one that's an uncommon here. This is Distracting Geist. Two and a white for a 2-1 spirit whenever it attacks, tap target creature defending player controls, and it has disturbed for four and a white, and the enchantment gives a creature that ability. Whenever this creature attacks, tap target creature defending player controls. That is a very aggressive white drop. Yeah. And then, you know, we just got a nice common here. It looks like Baithook Angler 2.0. It's Drog Skull Infantry. One and a white for a 2-2, just straight up, and then has disturbed three and a white, and the aura is uh, enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two. Now, I want to ask you, or maybe we should just talk about, like, this is just inherently less powerful than the Disturbed cards coming back as creatures, right? Yes, sort of. Yes. I mean, in a way, I guess, but it is also, I mean, auras inherently are high risk, high reward, right? Yes. Like, so this Disturbed thing removes the risk aspect of the aura to a certain extent and just gives you the reward part of it. So, I mean... These are going to demand answers like 
they're fundamentally easier to answer in that a removal spell will cleanly deal with the aura once it's been placed on a creature, whereas Disturb was constantly two for wanting you in Midnight Hunt. But I think depending on the scenario, some of these auras are going to feel like, oh, God, this is awful, you know? Yeah, that's true. But like, you know, the I don't know. How do I want to say this? Like, you know, Drog Skull Infantry, like a, a two mana two two or a one mana one one flyer. Those are like low rated cards, right? And I guess you could say the same for the Disturb cards from uh midnight hunt except that it feels like then i was like at least happy for all right well the back half is an evasive threat the back half being an aura is i think still significantly worse by and large i would agree yes i think by and large if you want to put it in a bucket this is less powerful (laughs) but it will be interesting i think to play with these i'm looking forward to it a lot i am too i mean again they are still inherently quote-unquote two-for-ones i just think that like the two things you're getting are less exciting than the two things we got from uh, the first Nistrad set. Sure, but it's also going to be interesting with threat of putting the aura yeah, on things yeah, yeah. too. Like I think that's going to be an interesting gameplay thing, right? Because you're going to be trying to hold up instant speed removal f- to blow your opponent out when they go to cast the aura on their creature or whatever. And so it'll be interesting to see how that little mini game plays out because you know the aura is coming at some point, right? But then can you afford to leave mana up? What if they have other things to do other than play the aura? So it's going to be weird with the auras in the graveyard knowing they can be played at any time. I think that'll be cool. Yeah, I agree with that. And obviously, they're going to provide value. You know, we don't have flashback, but we have this. So provide value if there's any sort of self mill, obviously being able to like, you know, you use your blood tokens, discard these, you're still sort of, you know, you're, you're getting a spell in your yard that you can cast at a later point, how valuable that spell is, we'll have to see. But yeah, I mean, Disturb was a nice aggressive tempo deck in Midnight Hunt. And it looks like if I mean, with auras being the name of the game, it feels like it can also be an aggressive tempo based deck in this uh, new set too. Right. And I think one thing just macro that I would expect, I think, based on these all being auras, you know, last time removal sort of went down a little bit, right? Because it played out so poorly against the disturbed creatures. With these being auras, that makes me want ways to interact with my opponent's creatures. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll we'll be able to look at the removal that we've seen so far as well. Our our last returning mechanic is exploit, which is back, but not back from the set we just played. Uh, I think this was originally in um what was it uh, like dragons of tarkir that block but this is an effect that's on creatures when a creature with exploit enters the battlefield you may sacrifice a creature and if you do you get an effect so for example what do we have here rot tide gargantua three black black for a five four with exploit and whenever it exploits a creature each opponent sacrifices a creature yeah uh the thing that i'm really looking for that i haven't really seen yet is sacrifice fodder like, I mean, obviously, de- decayed tokens would just love, love Rot Tide Gargantua and all these exploit creatures. But we, we've seen like, we'll, we'll look at one card a little later, but that's the real thing that you want to see is like stuff that you don't mind sacrificing. If you're just like straight up sacrificing a creature, sure, sometimes that'll be good. You know, some of some of these have better effects as you move up the rarity rankings, um, but it remains to be seen how uh, you know prevalent this will be. And that's where Disturb is inherently less powerful this time around, right? Because normally you'd be fine sacrificing a Disturb creature, but it's a little more awkward to, for example, sacrifice a Disturb creature to an exploit creature, and then you're only getting an aura on the backside. You're not actually adding to the board with another creature. Right. I believe that like, and we haven't seen the signpost yet, but I believe blue black is going to be like zombies slash exploit. I don't think we've seen exploit exist in any of the red, green, or white colors or the cards that have been uh, previewed in those colors yet um so that's where i think this will be at home so remains to be seen what the fodder will exist there but maybe yeah maybe some of your blue disturbed creatures that takes us on to some uncommon build around cards here so first up we've got a spells matter card in whispering wizard what's going on there Okay, so Whispering Wizard is an uncommon three and a blue for a three two human wizard. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, create a one one white spirit creature token with flying. This ability triggers only once each turn. That's pretty exciting to me, I think. Like, only triggering once each turn is maybe a little bit of a bummer, but maybe it would get out of control. Obviously, four mana three two body isn't that great but you know organ hoarder made it work and maybe whispering wizard can too yeah i'm a little worried about how clunky this is right feywild trickster was three mana for a two two and it didn't play out great for sort of a similar effect it just depends on how good the spells deck is and where this slots in on the curve i could see this being anywhere from good to not particularly excited about it 
Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm going to I'm going to be, I guess, maybe cautiously optimistic. That's probably where you're at, too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely hoping this card is good. Next up, we've got I mean, I'm, I am curious to see where these blood tokens slot in. And I think they're definitely going to go well with this card. What's going on with wedding security? This is a bouncer for sure. Three yeah. black, black, four, four vampire soldier. Whenever wedding security attacks, you may sacrifice a blood token. If you do put a plus one plus one counter on wedding security and draw a card, baby. Yeah, that's wildly powerful. I mean, I guess you need to be able to attack with it. So maybe, you know, they just get to block with their 3-3 and their 2-2 and you're not interested in doing that. But you still get to draw a card. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have removal in black. I think this card looks like a house. Again, like one thing that has been apparent to me from Midnight Hunt, and who knows if that's going to carry on going forward, but the good cheap cards are better than the good expensive cards. And that just got hammered home in my brain in Midnight Hunt. So jury's out for me on this one, but it does look overtly powerful on first read. Yeah, so we're um, we're just all in on the blue one mana one one flyer disturb. Just Heck get, yeah, those we one, are. get those one drops in, baby. So a lot, like I said, has been previewed for this green white humans counters card or counters deck. Uh, the first up is laid to rest. This is three and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a human you control dies, draw a card. And whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it dies, you gain two life. So, you know, we, we've seen the training mechanic is going to be putting plus plus one counters on stuff and also that mechanic is in green white and green white is where you're going to expect to see the bulk of your humans what do you think about this card i don't love it i don't want my things to die especially if i don't have a sacrifice theme to get value out of them yeah i'm not in love with this card I wonder if this is maybe going to be like seem like it's green white, but then maybe it's more of a green black, like get your exploit stuff and maybe green provides some exploit like tokens, like sapperling tokeny stuff, some sort of fodder, I guess. But then that those aren't those aren't humans, are they? They're sapperlings. Maybe they get some humans. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like if green white is the aggro deck that it usually is, you don't usually want a four mana do nothing enchantment. Well, right. Or if I've done work to get plus one plus one counters on creatures, I don't want them to die. I don't know. This doesn't seem great to me. I feel like we don't have a clear enough picture yet. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out hope for this. That's fair. And it could be the type of card once it hits the battlefield and your opponent's attacking you and you realize every time you block, you're getting two for one. You're just like, oh, this card is unbeatable, you know? Right. But it looks medium to me right now yeah like it's not capped on this only triggers once per turn right if three of your humans die you're drawn three cards yeah yeah resistance squad is up next this is two and a white for a human soldier and it's a three two whenever resistance squad enters the battlefield if you control another human draw a card so like not quite a build around but definitely like a clue to like this is what white decks i think white green decks are gonna want to do is you know, have, like you're, when you're like three mana, three, two is not a good body, but when it can trips, that's pretty darn good. How much better is this than search party captain? I'm not even convinced that it is that much better. That's a good take. That's a pretty darn good take because basically search party captain was a three mana, two, two that drew a card and sometimes a one mana two two that drew a card that had no right. other conditions other than you attacking this wants you to control another human. It'll probably be cur- easy to curve into this if you build your deck right. But I mean, I think this is a good card. It's not busted. Sure, I think that's fair. Like, I think it's a, it's a synergy card, and I agree that, like, Search Party Captain probably better, but that does not make this card bad. Right, but this is more of the type of card where you're going to want to pick it up after you're in the deck. This doesn't pull me into a human soldier deck, you know, on first read. Yeah, that's fair. And I hadn't thought about that. The, like, Search Party Captain just was like, you have to attack. That's the work you have to do. And this is like, you got some more hoops to jump through. And this will always cost three, whereas Captain could cost two or one as you said so yeah it's an interesting comparison for sure last up here in the sort of counters matter theme this card may not quite get there ben this is dormant grove three and a green for an enchantment at the beginning of combat on your turn and it's interesting a lot of these cards they're not at the beginning of your upkeep they're not at the beginning of your end step a lot of these cards that trigger at the beginning of combat which is sort of a newish thing um, but put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control then if that creature has toughness six or greater transform dormant grove and it turns into gnarled grove strider which is a three six tree folk creature with vigilance that gives all of your other creatures vigilance as well it did seem like there was a butts theme roaming around i don't know if it was rares i saw or what but I, i do think that is a theme in the set interesting yeah 
Okay. Well, that's that's why I, I wonder what the color pair is that it might be seeded into. Maybe maybe green black gets to be butts. I don't know. I don't remember, but I saw another card that cared about butts that was not this card. So it must have been a rare because I didn't see it looking through the show notes. Yeah, I will only only put all the commons and uncommon spoiled so far in here because um, who cares about rares? I never get to open good rares. Do you? No, obviously not. Yeah, for sure. Never open Niv Mizzet. <laughs> never, never. Um, yeah, so I think this is pretty mediocre, but you know, maybe have a home in if there is a butts deck in that butts deck. I mean, I guess like you know, you attack. Okay, so you attack with your one four reach trainer with something with a two two whatever. It's a two five. You play this. That you put a counter on it. It's a three six, and now this is a three six. Yeah, it's not not like hard to imagine that happening. Right, but are you interested in doing work to get a four mana three six? With Vigilance? With Vigilance? I I don't know. Isn't Vigilance your favorite mechanic? It is my favorite limited (laughs) mechanic after Lifelink. I think Lifelink's number one. Vigilance is my number two limited mechanic. I don't know. We'll see. This does look pretty slow to me, but if there's a butts thing going on and you can like, if this can trigger like the turn it comes into play, four mana, put a counter on something and it's a three six Vigilance, that is a good card. How often you get to do that, I have no idea. Right. Next up, we've got a little A plus B action, a little ox plow action going on here. <laughs> we've got Groom's Finery. This is one and a black for an artifact equipment. It says, equipped creature gets plus two plus O. Oh. It gets an additional plus O oh, plus two and has death touch as long as you have an equipment named Bride's Gown attached to a creature you control. And the equip cost is two. And we don't know what Bride's Gown is yet. It hasn't been spoiled. We don't, but this is really flavorful, right? Like, I don't care yes. about flavor, and I saw this, and I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. So I, I assume that also Bride's Gown, I mean, that definitely sounds like an equipment, right? It's like something you wear. So I assume that would also be an equipment probably in white, maybe, though maybe it'll also be black because it's, I don't know, because of well, it's Olivia getting married. I don't know. So we'll see. These are usually like more cute than good when you get them together. This is like you're working for a... Two mana equipment, two to equip, plus two, plus two death touch. I mean, that's a good equipment if you get it. It just depends on what Bride's Gown does. And if you're interested in in an aggressive deck, if you're interested in the plus two, plus O equipment, and Bride's Gown is good, and then both things together are good in an aggro deck, I don't know. I could see it being playable. We'll have to see what Bride's Gown does. And I wonder if there'll be like a third thing that like lets you find them. You know, that often happens when you have these sort of trinkety things that are clearly they're clear. This is clearly for limited, right? No one else is going to care about this. So I wonder if if that'll end up happening. We'll see. One last thing for this human uh, counters deck is cloaked cadet. This is four and a green for a two, four human ranger with training. And it says whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on one or more humans you control draw a card this ability triggers only once each turn so a pretty understated card but a pretty powerful effect yeah and i mean if you assume when this attacks it's going to turn into a three five it's like a five mana three five that's going to draw you a card i don't know again this is i'm wary of what looks to be a very powerful five mana card right i think we've just seen time and time again in recent limited years that cards like this end up being less impressive than they would compared to the super efficient comments like think about something like phantom carriage right that reads Mm -hmm. super powerful but you're taking organ hoarder over that you're taking that's not really a fair comparison but (laughs) you're taking revenge of the drowned over it you know you're taking maybe flip the switch over it depending on how focused of a deck you have yeah i think that's a totally good point and the other thing that i want to point out about these training cards like i mean i obviously have an affinity for three mana one four creatures with reach (laughs) but that is like that's the stat we expect for that kind of a creature right and then it has training on it and that's like well that's that seems pretty good that seems like pushed like you're getting an additional thing cloak cadet that is a small creature like sure it's got some synergy but like you are you're paying for a very understated body that then has to have some work to get you to like feel like you're getting some power there so i i agree i think i am i think i am skeptical of this card but i mean if you're getting the plus one plus one counters like if you play this and then have attacks and if this is a five mana two four draw two cards or something i mean you're in for that right you're saying it triggers the turn it comes into play and then it attacks and is a three five. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely into that. But that's but like, I guess my question is, would you just rather be like beating down with a five mana five five vanilla in right. a deck? I agree. That's, deck. that's where my head's at as well. So jury's out for me on this card. And I think I am leaning towards 
maybe not quite as good as it reads like it reads powerfully again but these these five mana cards like this have just underperformed a little bit pretty consistently in recent sets Mm -hmm. next up we've maybe got an exploit payoff here or a good thing to sacrifice to your exploit cards rather so this is bioloom egg two and a blue for an o4 with defender when etbs you scry two and when you sacrifice bioloom egg return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step and it turns into bioloom serpent which is a four four sack two islands bioloom serpent can't be blocked this turn is the ability on it so pretty good here i mean this is made for exploiting if something is is this even that good i guess like it's eventually i guess i could just like eight your opponent in the like you get them down to eight is this even that good this is great right i don't know it's there's so much setup cost you have sorry three mana oh four defender etb scry two that is not a good card so you have to have exploit or i guess we or maybe there's other sacrifice stuff that we haven't seen yet but i assume it's just exploit so you have to have exploit for this which that is good. And then you get this back as a 4-4. That's great because you're also getting your exploit effect. And then, yeah, like at least your opponent has to opt. While this is on the battlefield, your opponent has to operate under the assumption that they are at four less life than they normally would be and potentially eight less life. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me a grade on this card right now. I'm going to I'm going to go Synergy B. That's where I'm at. Synergy B. That's a great card, right? That's a good card. Yeah, I just had to talk. Look, we're doing this on the fly. It's Monday <laughs> night. I'm just trying to keep up, Ben. Um, yeah, I, I had to talk through it. I think it's good. It's just I feel like so it's got to be a secret blue, black, gold card, right? Right. And it's the type of card you should be expecting to get late if you yes. carved that deck out for yourself. Like you're not drafting this and then drafting the exploit deck. You're in exploit. You have good exploit cards. Then you're like, sweet. Nobody else wants this bioloom egg. I guess I'm going to take it sixth pick. Yeah. All right. I'm into it. And I think the uh, serpent is a house. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just that's effectively you're like three mana four four, which is probably just a good stat line in the format period. And then, yeah, I think like in the late game, you're just like, what are you at? OK, sack two islands, sack two islands. Right. Well, and normally those type of cards to do that, you're taking your whole turn tapping mana. You're going to be able to do that while casting other spells until you've gotten mm. rid of all your islands, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then they're right. dead. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last uh, build around here we've identified is Arch Ghoul of Thraben. This is two and a black for a 3-2 zombie cleric. When it or another zombie you control dies, look at the top card of your library. If it's a zombie card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. So you get a little like surveil action if it's not a zombie. This really, I mean, look, if blue black is like zombie slash exploit, this really will keep the gas flowing if you're like sack a zombie to exploit and then look at the top card. If it's a zombie, great. If not, like you get to, you know, sort of manipulate the top of your deck a little bit. Yeah, I like this card. Seems fine to good in a zombie deck that cares about exploiting or things dying. All of these, like, why three mana three twos? Why is that the stat line? Can we so go back? So that there's enough power to block all the three sixes running around thanks to <laughs> the training ability? Oh, I, I guess i guess yeah i just want the i just want the two threes to be able to block the two mana two twos you know is that that too much to ask all right moving on to some signpost uncommons here we've got the green white signpost uncommon already in sigardian paladin this is two green white for a four four human knight and it has as long as you put one or more plus one plus one counters onto a creature this turn it has trample and lifelink and you can pay one green white to give target creature control with a plus one plus one counter on it trample and lifelink until end of turn so this is reading a little clunky because this card was previewed in a in not English. So we're going out by the translation, which feels a little off to me just to, to start like the the tracking. As long as you put one or more plus and plus one counters onto a creature this turn, it has trample and lifelink like that's going to be easy online. But in paper, what a nightmare. Yeah, it's not great. That's not great. So maybe that's not quite the templating, but that's what we're going off right now. So four mana, four, four with fairly significant upside one in green white target creature you control with a counter on it gains trample and lifelink until end of turn yeah i mean the counters the the creatures with the counters are the ones you want to make big and give trample and lifelink to for sure yeah yeah i don't know again maybe maybe you're right about just like you know the the four drops and the five drops are less exciting than the one drops and the two drops these days yeah we'll have to see i mean that one seems fine to me yeah Next up in blue-white, we've got, ooh, blue-white auras. Brian Comer is one white-blue. That also just sounds like someone's name, like Brian Comer. Um, <laughs> one white-blue, sorry, Brian Comer. One white-blue for a 1-1 spirit with, uh, whenever Brian Comer enters the battlefield or becomes the target of an aura spell, 
create a 1-1 white flying spirit creature token with flying. Okay, so three mana 1-1. When it ETBs, you make a 1-1 flyer. Anytime you target it with an aura, you get a 1-1 flyer. And remember, all the backside of disturbed creatures are auras. Like this one, it has disturbed for white-blue. And it has enchant creature whenever brinebound gift, that's the backside, enters the battlefield. Or enchanted creature becomes the target of an aura spell, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. So when you cast this as an aura, you also get a 1-1 flyer. And then every time you cast an aura onto the creature that this enchants, you get a 1-1 flyer. This is just, this is, I mean, it's kind of like Ominous Roost, right? It's like a, a build around that's going to pump out a bunch of 1-1 flyers that can actually block this time. Yeah, this card is going to be annoying to play against for sure. And I'm nominating this to already be called Brian. It's a done deal. Just Brian. Okay. Just Brian. Brian Comer. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of a clue that this color pair can grind as well is Dawnheart Geist. What is this? This is one and a white for a 1-3. And whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain two life. Yeah. I I don't know what it is. Enchantress decks always appeal to me. And this is like... <laughs> you just love clunky, terrible cards and getting I two just for do, one. like... Like when green white enchantress is supported in no, because it's like you get the cantripping effect too. So you sort of like build these engines and you can have these explosive turns. Now I'm sure we're not going to get that to that extent in this format, but I, I for some, whatever reason, whenever it's like whenever you cast an enchantment spell, I'm like, oh, go on, tell me more. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, but like I feel like we thought that disturb in mid was going to be grindy and it. I mean, it obviously could be, but it played out much better as just an aggro tempo deck. And so then this doesn't really seem like it fits that. So I don't know. I don't know where this is going to fit in in that kind of deck. Well, I mean, this is definitely slotted for the back half of Disturb, right? Yes. Right. But so like, but how, like, are you going to be like sick, got Don Hart Geist, now my deck can really compete? Or is this just, I think maybe this is just a trap as a two mana one three. Yeah, or just like a nice little incidental piece of value. I mean, it's probably not a key piece to your deck would be my guess. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got blue-green self-mill and vile spawn spider. So this is green-blue for a 2-3 spider with reach. At the beginning of your upkeep, you mill a card, and then it has the ability to green-blue tap sacrifice vile spawn spider, create a 1-1 green insect creature token for each creature card in your graveyard, activate only as a sorcery. Release the spider spawning cut you cowards like stop giving me these little flavors of like ghoul callers chant at rare or this like making one ones that don't even have reach you're telling me vile spawn spider doesn't make spiders i mean this is nowhere near as good as spider spawning i know that's why i'm mad i just want something that's that good and a huge part of the reason that deck was great was gnaw to the bone right like that deck was nothing without gnaw to the bone Sure, but so then I, you know, then I'll build Bant auras and I'll have my, you know, one three buddy that we just talked about. I don't know. I yeah, I'm not. Uh, this card is obviously good. Two mana, two three reach with upside. Self mill is going to be good if you've got you know any disturb or whatever other graveyard shenanigans that are going to be in this set. Um, I'm excited about this card, but and I hope there's more. You know, this definitely points to self mill. I'm sure there will be more green and blue cards coming maybe hopefully slightly less powerful than Farmer and Organ Hoarder um, that'll help fuel your yard. Um, but yeah, the the one one insects, they're all right. I mean, to be clear, this is a very good card. I mean, and it does everything you would want it to do. It turns itself on, assuming you're playing in a deck with whatever 15, 16 creatures, which you probably should be. I mean, you're going to mill the creatures, they're going to die in combat, and then ideally, theoretically, you're cracking this to make whatever, five, six insects, which is powerful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of blue cards spoiled so far, Ben. Let's talk about them. What's up first? We've got Diver Scob. This is three blue blue for a zombie, three five with exploit. And it says whenever Diver Scob exploits a creature, target creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. Heck yes. As long as this exploit deck is supported, then I think a card like this is awesome. I think th this is the kind of card that I'm into paying five mana for because it affects the board. Right. And so we should talk about with exploit with Diver's Cob, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, is that it can also sacrifice itself, right? So if you're hard up and you don't have another creature that you want to sacrifice, you can just play this as five mana, play the Diver's Cob, sack it to itself, and then, you know, put target creature on the top or the bottom of your opponent's library. Right. I mean, it's like a sorcery speed, totally lost, not great, but you can do it. So yeah, we keep talking about what's the sack fodder. Well, the creature itself can be the sack fodder. But yeah, I I'm into Diver's Cob for sure. Next up, we've got Scattered Thoughts. This is three and a blue for an instant at common. Look at the top four cards of your library, put two of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. All right. 
I'm kind of into this at instant speed. It's powerful, that's for sure. I mean, if there's other good things to do at instant speed, I mean, this is going to be game breaking in the late game, assuming you're stable or not in imminent danger of dying. Yeah, picking two of four and then potentially getting to bin something that has synergy in the graveyard, either a disturbed thing or whatever creature you're going to reanimate. Like, yeah, I'm into this. I don't know how many. I don't. It would be interesting to see how high up the common rankings this card ends up being. Be a little better if it had a three-two body attached to it. I don't know. I know. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it just puts it into perspective how dumb organ order was. Yeah, and we're like excited. We're like scattered thoughts. Looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got lunar rejection. This is one and a blue for an instant, and it has cleave for three and a blue. So if you pay the one and a blue, return target wolf or werewolf creature to its owner's hand. If you cleave it for three and a blue, return target creature to its owner's hand, and then both times you get to draw a card. Yeah, so, you know, very, very good against wolves or werewolves. Again, wolves or werewolves not being able to catch a break even in the vampire set. And then, but normally just like four mana, bounce a thing, draw a card. You know, that's two modes on Cryptic Command. That's kicked into the Royal, whatever. Like bounce a thing, draw a card. That's a good card. Yes, I think it has been set dependent on how powerful that is because we've seen that effect flop sometimes or not be totally premium. But I think this this is a powerful card. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we've got Soul Code Tablet. What's going on here? This is one and a blue for an artifact at Uncommon. It enters the battlefield with three omen counters on it. Um, it has one and a blue tap. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your graveyard. Then it says whenever a creature card is put into your graveyard, you remove one omen counter from Soul Code Tablet. Then transform it if there are no omen counters on it. So either a creature's going to the graveyard from this you know, ability, this tap ability, or from the battlefield, whatever maybe from your blood tokens discarding creatures. And then the flip side is a 3-2 flyer that can only block creatures with flying, and it has the activated ability 3 and a blue, draw two cards, discard a card. I mean, the back half of that is a very good card. Yes. So assuming you can jump through those hoops, depending on how easily you can do that, I mean, if you've got other self-mill outside of the soul code tablet, that's when I'm definitely starting to be interested in this. Yeah, I think it, it remains to be seen. I mean, obviously, speed of the format. This has like, I don't know, this has, uh, what's it called? Heirloom mirror vibes to me a little bit. Like, I just wonder if this is just too clunky. But this looks better than heirloom mirror because you don't have to invest the mana in the soul code tablet, right? Like just creatures can go to your graveyard from combat or, you know, you play a card that mills four cards and you mill two creatures or whatever. It's going to be easier to transform this. That's fair. That's fair. I guess like it just depends. I think it still does depend how good slash prevalent bounces because like I think heirloom mirror could have had whatever that that somehow it flipped in different ways without mana investment and then you would still go. Yeah, but revenge of the drowned. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. Jury's out for me here. I'd buy it. There's also some potential loops here in witness the future. This is two and a blue for a sorcery choose target player and up to four target cards in their graveyard. That player shuffles those cards into their library. Look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Okay, so we're always on the lookout for the loops here on Lords Unlimited. We're always we're always trying to just chase that devious cover up, clear the mind life. This is an uncommon, so it makes it a lot harder, right? Because you need two of these or you need this and something else that does a similar thing. But the fact that this does replace itself is makes it better like that makes and it gives you some clear, selection clear the mind adjacent right gives you gives you selection but you know are you're are you not just going to run one of these in some in a deck right you want to be playing this with the idea of of doing loops right yes i think so and this is not going to be a high pick you're either going to get these i mean and it will the second one will be a high pick if you're trying to do the thing but like the first one you're wheeling and then you're thinking oh maybe i could do this if i see another one or whatever yeah yeah, or if there are other pieces, but I hope so. I'm, I was sad to see that loops wasn't really a thing in the last uh, in the last set. They teased you. They did tease me. All right, last up here in the in this blue card category is Geist Light Snare. This is two and a blue for an instant. Costs one less to cast if you control a spirit, and one less to cast if you control an enchantment. And it says counter target spell unless its controller pays three. So potentially a one mana mana leak is flip the switch back, Ben. No. This card's fine. <laughs> I mean, this is not even as good as Flip the Switch. No, it isn't. Not 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 even close. Yeah. And we should go into why. Because it looks better, right? Because it could cost two or even one. But the no decayed zombie token on this is a big deal. When you stuck Flip the Switch, you got a one and a half for one or close to a two for one. 
you're just going one for one in here. You're going to have to leave up the mana. You have to do work to make it cheaper, and it's not going to be cheaper until late in the game. I, I don't know. I'm I'm low-ish on this card. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this card is fine and will probably be a, a higher-ish pick in blue-white, but even then, I don't think it's going to matter that much. For sure. All right, that takes us on to the better wolves slash werewolves, which you alluded to a little bit earlier. So red's got Fearful Villager. This is two and a red for a 2-3 with Menace, and then on the back half... It turns into Fearsome Werewolf, which is a 4-3 menace. So still worse than Shady Traveler in black. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. I hadn't thought of that. So worse than Shady Traveler, but better than the Harvest Tide, whatever, the 3-2 Trampler that turned into a 4-4 Trampler. Like, why is there a better werewolf in this set than in that set in red? Yes, and why are both of red's werewolves worse? Worse than a black <laughs> than werewolf. Shady Traveler. Yeah. Don't know. A card that I am kind of excited about, Paxong Pup. We'll have to see like is if this deck is good or if it's supported, whatever. But one in a green for a 1-1 wolf at uncommon. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control another wolf or werewolf, put a plus and plus one counter on Paxong Pup. And when it dies, you gain life equal to its power. Yeah, this is a nice little uh, nice little doggo. Yeah, this is a good little threat, I think, coming down on, you know, I mean, maybe on turn one, you won't have a one drop wolf as well. But, you know, this this is going to be a card that in the right deck demands to be dealt with. Now, it remains to be seen if that right deck is a deck you want to draft. We'll have to see. It's interesting that they made it a one one because a lot of times cards like this are two twos. So Mm -hmm. maybe it was just two pushed as a two two. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I came down and was a 3-3. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to see. All right, that moves on to reprints. We've got Syncopate reprinted. This is blue X for an instant. Counter target spell unless its controller pays X. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. So the first time we saw Syncopate was, I believe, original Ravnica, right? And uh, Uncommon. And then it was reprinted at common in dominaria many years ago and now we have it again at common i don't know i'm I'm not a syncopate fan i guess we'll have to see how much blue wants to operate at instant speed that'll make this a little better but i don't know i don't love it but syncopate is better than geist snare right the counter spell we just discussed i guess not necessarily no not necessarily this like i don't know you have to hold up so much mana and then the times you're holding up all the mana sometimes you're just priced into countering something when you don't want to i just have bad bad memories of syncopate <laughs> I agree. It's I mean, it's awkward. Yeah, we've got a braid back at common. This yeah. is one in red for an instant. Choose one. A braid deals three damage to target creature and you could destroy target artifact. Interesting. So I wonder, like, are we supposed to be blowing up blood tokens? Like, why is this a common? I don't know, but I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into it, too. This is just good, efficient removal. Uh, another good removal spell reprinted here is Valorous Stance. One on a white for an instant at uncommon. Choose one target creature gains indestructible until end of turn or destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. Card's great. Yeah, there's not, not really much to talk about it. It's nice to have a little combat trick plus or save your creature from removal spell plus removal spell itself. Yeah, that takes us to some new removal. We've got a pacifism variant in Sagarda's Imprisonment. What's up here? Okay, two and a white for an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block, but... Four and a white, exile enchanted creature, create a blood token. So it's got some like flavors of dreadful apathy from Theros Beyond Death in that respect. Yeah, I mean, the four and a white is a little excessive. And then I was like, okay, they threw me a blood token. But could we just get that down to three mana, maybe? That seems a, a little, I mean, that's just like strictly better than dreadful apathy. I don't know. I'm, uh... I'm not going to write this card off just yet, even though I, that that would be my inclination. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, too much of a candle trap apologist, but I think this card might be fine. Exploit is in this format. That's true. Yeah, exploits in the format. That is a yikes. All right. That's a All huge right. yikes, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah, that's against it's one deck, really. I mean, I guess you you might have some flavors of it in in some blue white decks or some black X decks. So yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just terrible. You think it's just terrible? I don't know that it's just terrible, but I think it is certainly not premium. Like, I would put this more in the candle trap category than anything else off the bat. Yeah. All right. That's fair. We've got uh, a red uncommon burn spells. Just just good. Rending flame, two and red. Instant. Deal five to target creature or planeswalker. If that permanent is a spirit, rending flame also deals two damage to that permanent's controller. I'm not really sure. Where's the vampire hate? Huh? Like hating on, we're hating on spirits. We're hating on werewolves. Where's the vampire hate? Yeah, I mean it's the wedding. It's the vampire's day in the sun. But werewolves got wrecked in the werewolf set. I know. Yeah. 
Where's the like clove? Where's the clove of garlic artifact that just kills a vampire? Yeah, we'll have to see. There is a vampire. There is a non-vampire pyroclasm effect in Vampire's Vengeance, so no more vampire hate, more vampire benefits. It says tuna red for an instant, and Vampire's Vengeance deals two damage to each non-vampire creature, and you create a blood token. Yeah, that seems great to me. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just a sideboard card, but in a vampire's deck, this is just great. Yeah, you just main deck that. All right, that's going to take us on to our last and certainly not least segment here. My favorite, great or garbage, Ben. What's up first? We've got Blood Sworn Squire. This is three and a black for a three three uncommon vampire soldier. You can pay one and a black, discard a card to give it indestructible until end of turn, and then tap it. Then, if there are four more creature cards in your graveyard, it transforms into Bloodsworn Knight, which is a star star, power and toughness equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So at least a 4-4, because it only transforms if there are four more creature cards in your graveyard. Uh-huh. And then has the ability, one black, discard a card, Bloodsworn Knight gains indestructible until end of turn, and tap it. So the same, so it has the same ability on both sides, but only flips if you have four creatures after you do the ability once. Yeah. This is a lot, buddy. I can't quite clock this. It's funny. We're looking on Mythic Spoiler and there's some people allude. They're like, oh, it's like a, a bigger seasoned Hallowblade, which I feel like you should take offense to. Yeah, this card is nowhere near as good as seasoned Hallowblade. <laughs> my guess is this card is not good. And my feeling is it might be good depending on the amount of those like, you know, pseudo madness cards we see. Like, do those exist at common? Then, then I could get down with this. I don't know. This just seems like it's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't love this card unless you have cards you are actively interested in discarding for a benefit. And even then, this is pretty clunky at enabling that. Yeah, I'm going garbage. I am also going garbage. Next up is Retrieve. Two and a green for an uncommon sorcery. Return up to one target creature card and up to one target non-creature permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Retrieve. What do you think? I mean, it's a two for one. I don't love it. I think it's playable, certainly. It's like a C. Yeah. It's neither great nor garbage. <laughs> I I want this to be great, but I'm sure it isn't. This is definitely not great, but it's, it's also pr- not garbage. It's probably just garbage, though. So what are the non-creature permanent cards that are getting into your graveyard? I mean, I guess lands? Oh, it's about- non-creature permanent cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is garbage. It's just garbage, right? Like, <laughs> So you're like discarding your land to your blood token and then drawing a card. And then it's just like, just play divination. Like you're working too hard for your two for ones. I am certain of two things about this card now. It is garbage and you uh-huh. are 100% Ethan Sachs going to be casting some retrieves this format. Oh, that's clear, but I need to do our listeners the service of me doing do as I say, not as I do, you know? For sure. Next up is Allenbach Escort. What's this card? This is white for a 1-1 human monk with vigilance, and it has the ability sacrifice Allenbach Escort. Target creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. And this is not the one drop we're looking for, right? This is a constructed plant. Yes. I mean, maybe in the nuts, green, white, humans, plus one, plus one counter deck, you're going to be into this card, but I don't love it. No. I mean, it does wear R as well. But then you have to sacrifice it. I don't know. Why Why does it wear aura as well? Because it is vigilance. One, one vigilance. Yeah. No? <laughs> Get out of here. I, I don't think so. I don't care. I don't really care about that. All right. Garbage. Yeah, I think garbage. All right. This, this is the moment you've been waiting for, Ben. Heck yeah, it is. This is Magma Pummeler. Red, red X. This is a zero, zero uncommon elemental. And it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. If damage would be dealt to Magma Pummeler while it has a plus one plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove that many plus one plus one counters from Magma Pummeler. When one or more counters are removed this way, Magma Pummeler deals that much damage to any target. Okay, so I think this card is bad. Yeah, I am in love with this card. This card is great. So this is like a thing that comes in a 2-2 and deals 2 damage, right? Except it can be bigger. You would pay 4 mana for a 2-2 that deals 2 damage on ETB. Yes? Uh, Yes, I would do that. Right. So, And then this also could be a 5 mana 3-3, 6 mana 4-4. So at rate... And I mean, yes, it doesn't do the thing on ETB, but this is going to be awkward on the battlefield to play around. I think when this hits the battlefield as a 3-3, you're just going to feel terrible about attacking into it, right? It's going to trade with something and then shoot something else down. I think this card's really strong. I guess. I just think like you, I guess it just depends what the red decks look like. I'm just so wary of 
stuff below rate. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I say that a lot on the show and on stream and blah, 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 but I'm just really, you know, you, I feel like you're talking about, you know, we just got to be wary of, you know, these things that look really powerful and we're paying five mana for, and they're just worse than one drops. And yes, this is scalable, but I, I feel like, and, and, and especially the smaller this is, this is a four mana two, two, maybe it's hard to attack into it, but not with a, like you can attack into it with a three, three and it's fine or whatever. And it depends what other stuff is on the board, but it's more that like, this feels like it has to stay back a lot because you can just if you attack with it then all right whatever i I take two i take three and now the ground is clear for of this annoying thing obviously again i agree i agree that this is not an aggressive card but this is basically moat i think once this hits the battlefield your (laughs) opponent attacking is going to stop moat has been announced all right all right we'll see i like i'm glad we're on the same page about it not being an aggressive card um yeah maybe it just comes down and totally brick walls the ground i don't know yeah but if you're in a defensive deck i am into magma pummeler for sure all right now is red gonna have a defensive deck who knows yeah but i think in that spot this is a powerful card next up is another flip card this is interesting this is radiant grace it's an uncommon single white aura enchanted creature gets plus one plus one has vigilance when enchanted creature dies return this to the battlefield transformed and under your control attached to target opponent comes back as an aura curse radiant restrictions it enchants a player creatures enchanted player controls enter the battlefield tapped what say you ben this is a hard one because my gut reaction is that this is garbage me too but it's an uncommon and i could see it getting there in an (laughs) aggressive deck maybe like if you put this on a flyer and then they have to deal with the flyer i don't know i don't love it yeah i think i think i'm on just firm garbage here it feels like another constructed card yeah, but is it even good and constructed? I don't know. There's not like mono white, like the best deck right now or something. I should I should not be answering any questions about constructed. <laughs> Moving on. Next question, yeah. please. <laughs> next up, we've got Innocent Traveler. This is two black black for a one three uncommon at the beginning of your upkeep. Any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If no one does transform Innocent Traveler into Malicious Invader. This is a three three flyer and it gets plus two plus oh as long as an opponent controls a human. So when I initially saw this, it reminded me of, I think it was like Cloistered something. I don't know, from original Innistrad. It was like one and a white for a one, one. Oh, Cloistered Youth. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, I think at the beginning of your upkeep, you could like, oh, if when it, you could flip it and it flipped into a three, three, uh, that dealt you a damage at your end step. And I thought this cost two mana. (laughs) Right. But that's what, so I I didn't look at the mana cost first and I was like, oh, one, three flips into a three, three flyer. Oh, okay. This reminds me of that card. I bet it costs two. It costs four mana. That's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Talk about being understated for what you're paying for. Yeah. I mean, if your opponent doesn't want you to have the three, three flyer, they can sacrifice creatures to keep you on a four mana one, three. I mean, this card is very bad. It does sort of depend how much sack fodder there is, but I guess if there's exploit, there has to be. There has to be sack fodder and like I think green white is trying to be the format three three flyer was the business. That is no longer a case. Like, do you really want to play a conditional card that maybe is going to get into turn into a three three flyer for four mana? No, no, no. Clunk City. We're going we'll go garbage here. City. We've not had many great cards. I've only defended Magma Pummeler so far. That's true. That's true. Uh all right, last up here. I think this is going to get another garbage vote. This is Skulking Killer. Three and a black for a 4-2 Vampire Assassin at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls. gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If that opponent controls no other creatures. What? That is a weird clause. I... At- this card makes me really mad because it's like, oh, are you behind on board? get wrecked like the times when this does do the thing it's gonna feel really bad but like how often is this doing the thing it's not doing the thing very often at all this card is firm garbage and we should just call our segment garbage or garbage <laughs> garbage or garbage magma pummeler could be great i guess no i yeah right i did also it's situationally it good maybe i don't think it's gonna be great situationally good for magma, magma four mana four two Oof. Yeah, Skulking yeah. Killer is no bueno. I think you're never putting this card in your deck, right? I think so. I think I would hope to never play this. Like, again, that line in the sand, it starts even earlier, I think. I think it starts at four mana, and they just have to have stuff that matters. And when this doesn't kill a thing, and it's just a four mana four two, that's so bad. 
Like maybe it's playable in a super removal heavy red black deck, but what are you going to do when your opponent plays a four mana three three or all these one fours right. that are running around, right? Like right. it's just not good. No, no, no. I'm out on this. It's so that's that's weird. So yeah, so great, great or garbage is just garbage. But there's a lot of other cards to be excited about. Oh heck yeah! I think this set looks very sweet to me. It's cool that they had so much sweet stuff for Innistrad that they had to split it up into two formats like this. I am really hyped for this format. Yeah, looks great. And we'll have our crash course ready for you at the usual time. Sorry again for the the late start tonight, but you know we had a lot of cards we wanted to, to talk about, and I think it was worth it. Heck yeah. All right, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.